Chapter 32 Peter let his father hug him. For so many years, he had wanted to be in that circle of protective love. He felt his father quake with sobs, and he wanted to reassure him that everything was all right. But it wasn't. His hands stayed clenched. One was on the crutch grip. One was on the toy soldier. He pulled away. What are you doing here? You told me you would only be laying wire. And then he understood everything at once. Why the men hadn't advanced. How the grasses had been burned and the trees uprooted and the river strangled with rocks. How there could be nothing left of a fox but a single leg. You knew. He shoved the toy soldier into his pocket and picked up the fox leg. You knew and you did this. Pax. Chapter 33. Again, Pax thought he heard his boy's voice. He pricked his ears back to the camp. Just then, the wind shifted. Pax smelled the war-sick sweat, their cordite, their motor fuel, their charred fields. And as two humans, he ran back to the ridge. He saw his boy lift something from the ground. A stick, but not a stick. Something furred and broken. The grief yearning scent rolled up the hill, fresh and keen from his boy but also old and strained from his boy's father. So this scent was not Peter's alone. It was the scent of humans. His boy held the broken thing above his head and cried something angry. And then Pax and Pax barked. Chapter 34. Peter held what was left of the fox high above his head and called his name again. Pax. And from above the mill, an answering bark. Hope rose in his throat, but no, he must have just wished for that bark. He scanned the ridgeline anyway. A flash of red, a white-tipped brush. A fox appeared in an open spot and rose on his back legs, on two back legs, and looked straight at him. Peter pressed the fox leg into his father's hand. Bury this. Then he grabbed his other crutch and turned for the hill. Wait, Peter, you have to understand. It's my duty. Peter pointed to the fox on the ridge. He thumped his chest so hard it hurt. That's mine. His father shouted at him about wires. He shouted at him to stop. Peter saw wires. He pulled over them. But he did not stop because there was only his fox waiting on the spine of the hill and the distance between them. Over and over, he planted his crutches and swung through closing that distance. When he was almost there, his shirt dried from the wind and then soaked again in sweat. He stopped and called. Pax tossed his head and then bounded away toward the trees. On four legs, Pax was sure of it. Pax was unharmed. Oh, Peter was sure of it. Pax was unharmed. Peter followed, but again, just as he neared him, Pax broke away, galloping into the trees. Peter followed again. He didn't begrudge Pax this testing game. He had broken his pet's trust. Why wouldn't he be skittish? Why wouldn't he need to assure himself of Peter's loyalty now? For as long as Pax wanted, Peter would obey. It was fair punishment. Through the trees, a hundred long yards and a hundred more, Peter followed. And then they broke into a clearing and the fox stood and waited. Peter reached him. He offered his hand. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Pax locked Peter's gaze and then took his wrist in his jaws. Peter's pulse jumped against the bracelet of teeth, pressed just tight enough to claim him just tight enough to call to Peter's own wildness. Two, but not two. Pax released Peter's wrist and tore across the clearing toward a crooked tree. Circling the tree was a pair of coyotes. Pax lunged at the taller one. No, Pax, come back! 
The tree was so far away, 50 yards at least. Peter dug his crutches into the turf and hiked hard. When he was a dozen yards away, he saw the coyotes, treed, quarry, another fox, bright furred with a sharp and delicate face, a vixen. She was bleeding from a gash on her haunch, and instead of a thick brush, she thrashed the blackened whip of her tail. The vixen swiped at one of the coyotes from above, taunting him, and Pax snapped at the other's flank. Peter saw that the two foxes were a team, and that they were no match for the coyotes. Peter barreled for the tree, shouting, but the coyotes ignored him. The taller of the two spun around and sank his teeth into Pax's neck. Pax shrieked, and Peter roared in fury. He braced himself on one crutch and leaned back and side-armed the other, heavy with its white ash bat, as hard as he could, aiming in between the two coyotes. Both of them wheeled around the outrage. at the outrage, while the tree rang with the bat's blow, the tall, dark one sprinted away and disappeared into the brush. The other one bolted a dozen yards and then stopped and turned back. He eyed Peter and bared his fangs. Peter bared his teeth back. Pax growled at his side, hackles raised, ready to spring. Peter swept his second crutch over his head and roared again, and Pax snarled, and the pale coyote reared back in surprise. He turned and crashed out of the clearing. Peter clutched the tree. He slid to the ground, shaking. Instantly, Pax was on him, wriggling under his neck, licking his face, sniffing his broken foot, nuzzling his face again. Peter wrapped his arms around his fox and pressed his face to the piney-smelling fur. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. The vixen leaped over them to the ground and disappeared into the juniper scrub, ringing the clearing. Pax sat up and barked to her from Peter's lap. After a moment, Peter saw a black muzzle point out from the brush. Out came a skinny fox about the size Pax had been at eight months, blinking in the sunlight. He stumbled into the clearing on three legs. The vixen reemerged. She paced and yipped at the runty little fox, shooting where he looks at Peter. Pax squirmed out of Peter's arms and barked again. The three-legged fox took a few steps closer. Its limp was so awkward. Peter realized he must have lost a leg only recently, and then he made the connection. He offered his hand and called softly, hesitantly, his gaze darting between Peter and Pax. The little fox hobbled over. He tucked his head under P Pax's chin. Peter extended a finger. The injured fox allowed him to brush his neck for an instant, then hurried back to the safety of the vixen's side. Together, the two foxes looked expectantly at Pax, and then they melted into the underbrush. And Peter understood. His fox belonged to them, and they belonged to Pax. Inseparable. All this way he'd come. All this way. Peter got to his knees. He placed his hand on Pax's back and felt the muscles jump. Peter looked around. The woods looked dangerous now, full of coyotes and bears and soon humans at war. He looked down at his fox, still straining to follow his new family. Go. It's okay. It wasn't, though. The pain scoured him hollow, left him without breath like a kick to the heart. He pulled his hand away because Pax would fill a pain that deep and he wouldn't leave. Go. Pax shot away toward the brush line, and then he turned back to look at his boy. Peter felt tears roll down his face, but he didn't wipe them away. Pax sprang back. He whimpered, looking at the tears. Peter pushed him down. He found the crutch and levered himself upright. No, 
I don't want you to stay. I'll always leave the porch door open, but you have to go. Pax looked toward the brush and then back at his boy's face. Peter dug into his pocket and pulled out the toy. He lifted it. Pax raised his head, his eyes trained on Peter's hand, and Peter hurled the plastic soldier over the brush and into the woods as far away as he could. And the story ends with a quote. Sometimes the apple rolls very far from the tree. <laughs>